At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Businesses all across the planet are looking to make connections with people. Well, guess what? The Connections Magazine is helping Welcome. Hey, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here, Melissa. Now, what is it that you do? I know what you do because I have your website in front of me, but for our audience, what do you do? Um, well, I'm primarily a CFO consultant, but I'm also what's called an executive coach. Um, I have special training called the, I'm, I'm a certified coach in the intelligent language, um, which if you want, we can get into a little bit. Uh, but I used it very much in my CFO consulting in terms of being able to coach uh, business owners and management teams and what have you. Okay. There's an, I talk to a lot of business owners. I work with this wonderful network of businesses. And I'm going to have this question come up to me. What is a CFO consultant? Well, <clears throat> I help business owners from the standpoint of, a you know, if they had a full-time CFO, what would a CFO offer them? And the traditional role of accounting, most people think CFO means a glorified accountant. Mm -hmm. And I would agree with that in some cases. But in my, I guess, in my career, what I noticed was the traditional accounting model is it's always pointing to like what's already happened. Like here's your financial stick to last month, last year, last whatever. Here's your tax return for last year. It was never much about, and this is what we can do going forward to improve things. So what, I, what I've developed over the years are ways that I can help business owners not only look at results, but as, as soon as possible, but also look at what's happening in real time. By, when I do that, by getting what's called actionable financial data. So we get them weekly dashboards. So if you think of a dashboard and you drive in your car, it tells you how much fuel you have, if your battery's charging, your engine's not overheating. I mean, I have a truck that tells me the individual tire pressure in each tire. Right. You know, outside temperature, inside temperature, all that. So it helps you navigate to get where you want to go. You know, you can get GPS in it now. So dashboard for a business owner is something that he can use and actually quote, manage by the numbers because everybody talks about managing by the numbers, but almost nobody does it. Um, so you get them dashboards on receivables, payables, cash flow, 
uh, sales, taxes being paid, inventory, all the things they need to like look at things from say a 10,000 foot perspective. And they only spend an hour a week doing that. What happens with most business owners is they get, you know, it's their companies, um, it's their baby. So they get manage the minutia every day and they get, they don't get much time to do what they're good at, which is bringing in business. They don't get much time to be the visionary of the company, which is really their number one job. Their number one job is to, you know, what's the, where's this company headed? What, what are the opportunities I see coming at us? What are the perils I see coming at us that we can navigate around? And what are the opportunities coming that we can take advantage of? They don't have any time. They're so stuck in the managing minutia. They don't have time to look up and see that. Oh, as a business owner, I understand that 100% because that's where I'm stuck at right now. I should be out here doing what I'm good at instead of right. stuck behind a desk looking at numbers and data. Right. So <clears throat> what there is to do is, number one, get them, get them out of that. Get them out of accounting and finance on a day-to-day basis because... What it tells the accounting finance people is don't tell him bad news. He's going to bite your head off or she's going to bite your head off. Because that's generally what happens. <clears throat> so you want, you, want to, you want to be safe for them to come to you with things that, you know, we've got a problem with this. And again, with the dashboards, you're going to avoid a lot of that last minute. Oh, here's a hand grenade. I'm going to drop in your lap. You know, put the pin back in it if you can and get out of the foxhole. <clears throat> the other thing is with the financial statements is to give them a good narrative. Because most most business owners don't really understand totally what their financial statements say about their business. But to give them a good narrative, when you have the financial statements, okay, these financial statements, this is what you did operationally. This is what your income statement says about what your business did. Because your financial, uh, your balance sheet, this is what it says about your company in terms of financial strength, liquidity, leverage, et cetera, et cetera. There's all kinds of different ratios you can use to do that. But to put a narrative into it too that they'll understand. And here's some suggestions, here's some ideas about what you can do to actually improve on your performance, improve on your company's financial strength, you know? Um, so that's actionable financial data. That's, in other words, data that they can take action on to improve things. Secondly, is to what I call end or eliminate dysfunction. In, in any organization that you start getting more than a couple of three people, you know, let's say you've been in business 15 years and you got 30, 40, 50 people working in your business. And you have all these people that have come in over time and they all have their own ideas about how they're going to do their job. And as an employer, you have your idea about how the job's supposed to be done. And a lot of times they're incongruent. And then you have other people in the organization that are dependent on different positions and they have their own idea of how it's supposed to be done and they're incongruent. So what you have is a whole bunch of incongruent conversations and relationships because, you know, another way to look at the business is the network of conversations. And if you have a bunch of incongruent conversations, you're going to have a lot of dysfunction. And on top of that, you have the business owner that goes out again and wants to manage the minutia because, you know, in their mind, they started the business, they own the business, they're the president of the business, they should be the best manager for the business. And good entrepreneurs are typically poor managers because the skill sets are so opposite. You need to have people that you can trust, that you can depend on, and that you don't interfere on, you don't interfere with that stuff. You're not looking over their shoulder every five minutes. You're not nitpicking them to death and micromanaging them because all that typical owner stuff does, it tells them you can't do the job like I want you to do it. You can't, I don't trust you. You're not competent. Have you seen Casino? With I Bob have. Yeah, yeah, remember that's, that's one, there's this one scene where he's talking to the big dumb county agent's brother-in-law. He says there's, there's three ways we do things here the right way the wrong way and the way i do things we do things <laughs> and that's the message most people get is you know we've got to do things the way he does he or she wants and 
what it does, it prevents them from really stepping up from taking charge, from finding a solution on their own, for thinking outside the box, maybe to ask for help within the organization. It's always like it gets this far, but it's the boss's thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of business owners I've, I've met when I first met them, they, they hate going into work. It's like, what's, what's, what's going to be the problem today? What am I going to have to chase around doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm so frustrated with why can't my employees just do things? So that's the second thing. Eliminate dysfunction by bringing the employees together to get the owner out of the way. Bring employees together and let them come up with a procedure that's detailed, that's written, that everybody understands, that coordinates things in a nice fashion. And, and again, so all the bottlenecks, get the owner out of the way, get the procedures done, and then the base business will flow. I mean, how many, you can run a McDonald's with a handful of teenagers, right? Yes. You know why? Because they got procedures out the wazoo and they train, they train, they train, they got procedures. Everybody knows how to do the fries. Everybody knows how to do the burgers. Everybody knows how to do the uh, you cross, you iced coffee. Cross train, you get your aces in the places and you get the bosses out of the way. Yes. Yes. So that what all what those first two things do, the actual financial data and the eliminating dysfunction, it frees the owner up. Now they can take a vacation of three, four weeks if they want to. You know, when they're having to manage a minutiae, they they're scared to take a vacation because the place will fall apart without them because there's nobody willing to take things to fruition. They're scared they're gonna do it wrong. So now the owner is freed up to actually be the visionary and to go do what they do best, which is bring in business, right? And take a vacation. I mean, sometimes taking a four-week vacation, just getting away from the business and maybe not even checking in much gives the business owner time to, you know, reflect, relax, decompress, and actually think about what is it I want out of this business. The third thing that I do is long-range strategic planning. And there's a question that I start with, or two questions I start with with that. Are you satisfied with the way the business is now? And are you satisfied with where the business is headed? Right, those two questions. What about, what I mean by satisfied, are you getting, have you thought specifically in what is it I want this business to do for me? What is it I want this business to be about? What kind of employees do I want to have here? What is my end game? Um, and then where is it headed? You know, like what markets do we want to be in? What, and you have to constantly update that as, you know, opportunities and risks come at you. You have to constantly update where you're headed because, I mean, this, this technology we use right here to have this, this conversation wasn't available a few years ago. It, and the COVID, if COVID has taught us anything, it's taught us we can do so much more remotely because of technology like this. So this is one of the things that a business owner would want to pay attention to. Like, how can I integrate this to my advantage in my business? What do I have to be careful of by integrating this into my business? You know, because there's risk, there's risk and opportunities in using this kind of technology. Kind of like the internet. You have people shopping all day rather than doing their job. Exactly. Anyway. You have to have some kind of oversight when you have the remote worker at the yeah. same time you have to trust that they're going to get their work done yes and, and again the, the the remote worker thing it kind of breaks the old paradigm of you have to show up in my work my place of business for eight hours a day or 10 hours a day whatever it is and have your body there for me to pay you this shifts the paradigm to these are the things you need to get done for me to pay you you need to have them done with certain deadlines Mm-hmm. So it turns it more into, which I always thought was a better way to do it is, I'm going to pay you for results you're going to produce. I'm not going to pay you just because you, you, your body's here, right? So you're paying for results. So, so it makes it a more, um, uh, I guess, a more rewarding relationship all the way around. 
Because right. I mean, you, you know, do you really care if they're, you know, they're working in their gym shorts and a t-shirt? I mean, you don't want a t-shirt if they're meeting with customers over the internet, but um, if they're comfortable at home, who cares? You know, so what? Exactly. It's like, I'm in publishing. So I'm going to use that as an example. If my editor is turning out three books a week editing and it's good edits, I don't mind paying them the premium rate. Where if I have an editor that's giving me one book a month, you know, <laughs> what's the problem here? What else are you doing other than working? Right. Yeah. And again, you can you can measure all that and you can have clear, clearly understood expectations from both sides. I mean, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest things that will kill a relationship, and I'm talking personal relationships, especially marriages. Uh, and working relationships are these what what we call unspoken expectations. You know, you and I go into business together. I'm gonna have I have certain expectations that I just think that's the way it's supposed to be. You have your own, and when they don't match, they don't match mesh. They don't match. Mm -hmm. Then you start people start getting resentful, and you know you can't really say anything because it has, it's not a spoken agreement. Yet you know it should be. You know you should know. You know I don't right. know. I should but, know what my financial advisor expects from me as a business owner. I should know what they want me to tell them that I expect from them as my financial advisor. Exactly. But most people don't do that. They silently have these expectations. They never voice them because they don't know how to have the, they don't know how to have the conversation. Um, you know, they, I mean, most people would be uncomfortable with, hey, I have these expectations uh, and, it, and let's talk about them. Here they are. Because right. a, a lot of times when you say them out loud, they sound kind of silly. <laughs> there is no stupid question except for the question that's left unasked. Yes, yes. That was a I favorite saying of my grandfather that I use every day. Yeah. Now, see, I need... I know when I go to my CFO, I need a CFO that understands pre-IPO and post-IPO shares. I need a financial advisor that understands where my company is growing to in several markets that globally. So I know I have to have those conversations with whoever I hire. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, a CFO should really be more of a, a a guide or an advisor or, uh, you know, and, and again, the, another critical job for the CFO is to play devil's advocate. Why? Because the business, most business owners, most entrepreneurs are very optimistic. They don't see risk. They don't gauge risk very well. So you have to have somebody to come in and like anchor, your, anchor some of your wilder ideas sometimes and make sure that you're on solid ground because I mean, I've seen I've seen some entrepreneurs jump off a cliff and start flapping and try and grow wings. And sometimes <laughs> they do, and sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. You know, they they pull like sometimes they go out there and do some really wild stuff and they pull off some miraculously big wins. And sometimes they jump out there and they crash and burn badly. So exactly. you need somebody who's going to check your ego, check your expectations. You know, a lot of that stuff. And again, a CFO really a good CFO is going to be a good coach. And if you think about it, all the top athletes, all the really you know, successful, brilliant, brilliantly performing athletes, they all have coaches. In fact, they have more than one. Uh, you know, they have their specialty coach, their fitness coach, their head coach, all these different coaches. Um, and why is that? Why do they have coaches? Because you can't see yourself in performance. No. You can't. 
you just can't. You have your, any actor, any performer, any athletes, they all have coaches. They all have mentors to tell them what they're doing wrong, what they're doing right, what they right. need to improve on. Not um, only that, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, and I was going to say, in, in addition to, your coach has generally been around the game longer than you. And they've seen all kinds of different players, different strategies, different techniques. They're going to have some distinctions that if they can import them to you properly, it's not going to just improve your game a little bit. It's going to up your game a lot. Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example of distinctions. If you have Excel, and this is, and I do it because we talk about business. If you have an Excel spreadsheet, you don't know much about it. It's kind of like, yeah, it's a spreadsheet. You know, you can put some numbers, some garbage on it and do a little bit. But just something as simple as, let me show you the summation button. You can just... Total all these columns with just a hit of that button. Wow, that's going to speed things up. Let me show you how you can refer to other parts of the spreadsheet, the workbook, and bring those values in. Let me show you how to do some, some uh, formulas. Let me show you how to do some, um, some if so. Let me show you how to do pivot tables. Let me show you how to do you know, the lookup uh, functions and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm pretty good at Excel. That's some people I know can make it sing. Um, really amazing stuff that they do with, with, uh, with Excel. But also now Excel becomes a very powerful tool for all kinds of stuff. Financial analysis in my, in my line of work, um, it can it really help you parse data that otherwise, you know, it just, it looks like just pages of numbers. So again, exactly. distinctions, it's dis distinctions on how you can perform as an owner. If you have a good coach, they can give you some feedback on how you're performing as well as here's a distinction that it doesn't seem you have right now. And a distinction is something like that separates, separates it from this object of this, this uh, performance from everything else. Imagine you're in a room and it's totally blacked out. You don't know what's in there, how big it is. There's another door. There's a, you know, are you going to be able to navigate that room safely and effectively? Exactly. Yeah, if there's furniture in there, no. Not with the lights out. You have to turn the lights on. So now you can see the distinctions of where the furniture is, what it is. Otherwise, you're liable to trip, you know, break something, break yourself, um, stumble around. So you need those distinctions. Distinctions allow for, for movement, for powerful moves. And one of the big distinctions that you have that I work with with business owners is their mood. Your moods dictate not only your, the horizons that are available to you, but also ranges of action. So, and think of it this way. If you're ambitious, grateful, joyful, peaceful, you're going to have a lot of action available, you know, because that when you're ambitious, I mean, you're thinking about, oh, look at all these possibilities, right? When you're grateful, you're grateful for what is as well as for the opportunity, as opposed to somebody who's resentful, resigned, spiteful, that range of possible action is very narrow because basically the conversation about those moods is, this is happening to me. I assess that it's damaging my possibilities or my current situation. I assess there's nothing I can do about it. So when there's nothing you can do about it, you get to become a victim and have a story and whine and, you know, and the, the and nothing gets done. When you're a victim in that mentality, nothing gets done. When that. you're grateful for whatever's going on, now you have possibilities that aren't there when you're resentful. Right. Well, not only that, think about it. If you're grateful, you're grateful for your employees because your employees really make your business happen, right? Without your employees, you're not going to have much of a business. So when you're grateful for your employees, your relationship changes. 
Now you're grateful that they're there. You don't see them as the payroll liability or the knucklehead that's always screwing up. You're grateful. And it, it's going to elevate their performance. If you expect them to perform better, they will. Exactly. If you expect them to be knuckleheads that are always screwing things up, can't do anything, they will. Yeah. I mean, you know? even if you're an employee and you're looking at the managers and you're like not getting along with the managers from an employee perspective, and you always see this manager as a screw up and you're wondering why they're in this position, you're never going to see why they got to that position. Right, right. Well, I mean, all human interaction mm -hmm. requires at least some level of trust, right? Right. So if you have if you're if you're an owner that that's more of a transactional, like you come to work, do some do this job, I'm gonna pay you X and that's it. You'll have some basic level of trust of you know, if people are gonna trust that you pay them if they show up and work. Mm -hmm. But what they're not gonna do is they're not gonna want to step up, do extra stuff, be extra committed, think of think outside of the box, think of ways to promote the business. Why? Because at some level, they don't get that you care about them. And care is one of the four ingredients of trust. You have, they have, they have, somebody has to care about you. In other words, your, your concerns are as good as my concerns or they're on the same thing. I care about you like I care about me. You have to be sincere. You have what's coming out of your mouth has to match what I think is going in your brain. You have to be competent. You have to be able to actually do what you say you're going to do. And I want to see that you're liable, that you have a history of keeping your promises. So what do business owners do? Number one, what do they care about? They care about the business mm -hmm. and success and my profits and my money and my, you know, my everything. And so what the employee gets is they don't care about me. They care about, you know, they want to be lifestyles of rich and shameless. They don't ask me about my career. They don't ask me, do I need anything? They don't ask about my family health. They don't even smile and say hello in the morning. Um, so, I mean, you got to start with that. If you want, if you want to have the kind of employees that everybody wishes they had, you're going to have to get them to trust you. And, but doing that, you're going to have to actually care about them. It, it can't just be, I'll be nicer. That's not, that's not caring. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and why is trust so necessary? Because trust is always about you're taking a risk on being disappointed by being let down by the person that you're trusting for some specific action. You know, there's some friends you have, you would trust them to meet you at the movies. You would trust them to show up for dinner somewhere, but you wouldn't trust them to let you loan $5,000, right? That's a different right. domain of action. You have that, that's what's at risk. And there's some, and there's some people you wouldn't trust with a relationship, you know, because they're whatever, narcissistic, they're sociopathic, they're congenital liars. You're not going to trust that person to have any much of a relationship. So you have to learn what trust is and you have to learn how to be trustworthy. You also have to learn when you're assessing other people, what can you trust them for? You know, and especially given what's at risk. You know, you get out of college and you apply for a thousand dollar credit card. They're going to look at your employment record, make your credit score. And they'll pretty much give you a credit card or not based on that. You go to the bank and say, I need a $50 million line of credit based on receivables and inventory. And they're going to want a little bit more than just your, your credit score and your employment record. They're going to want to know several years of audited financial statements. They want to look at several years of tax returns. They're going to do a background check on you. They're going to probably do some background check on your management team, your critical employees before they go, you know, because that what's at risk is $50 million. Mm -hmm. they're, they're going to, you know, it's not like Fred's bank. Oh, yeah, here, have a loan out of my pocket. Right. So, yeah, that, that is critical 
in terms of if you really want to develop a relationship, you really want a, a team of highly skilled, motivated, loyal employees that the competition can't hire away, that they're not going to leave for a better paying job, you know, that kind of stuff. If you really want them plugged into you, you're going to you're going to have to be trustworthy and you're going to have to have something that's bigger than just you and your business success. You need to have some kind of a, I don't know, vision. That's why I stress visionary. You have to have some vision that's bigger than you because people really are drawn to that. I mean, people want to, most people want to work at a place where it's bigger than them. They want to be part of something that's bigger than just the business and the owner. Like yeah. there's some mission out there. And it doesn't have to be anything all that special, but you know, that again, that's why I keep stressing the whole thing about the owner has to be a visionary. You have to have a vision if you want people to follow you. That is very true. But we're almost out of time, and this has been a very quick interview. Yeah. So, but where can our listeners and our viewers find you? Um, I have a website. It's called uh, strategicbusinessadvisors.org. Uh, you can email me at Carrie, C-A-R-Y, at C-F-O, consulting.co.com. Uh, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, Kerry Prejean, and uh, there's, you know, there's contact information in my, in my profile there. That is awesome. You have everything right there as a professional, as you should. And I thank, thank you. you so much for being on the show today. Yes, you gave thank us you. a lot of information. Well, hopefully I haven't talked too much. I tend to do that. <laughs> Not at all. You gave me exactly the kind of information I need to hear today. Well, good. Listen, I appreciate you having me on the show. Really enjoyed it. And for our reviewers and our listeners, happy growing. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.